0: Hello, sixth-grade scholars, and welcome to Detectives and Togas by Henry Winterfeld. Although you aren't wearing togas, you are also detectives for this book, and I want you to take careful notes as we listen to the story together. Be sure to mark down different characters, what they look like, their belongings, and other clues along the way to help you solve the mystery before it's revealed to us at the end of the book. Detectives in Tokus Chapter 4, The Mathematical Burglar Assaulted? the boys echoed. Who did it? Julius wanted to know. Did they want to kill you? Antonius burst out enthusiastically. Quiet, please, as croaked. He was still hoarse. I don't know who the criminal was. I was in bed, sound asleep. In the middle of the night, I was awakened by the sound of someone moving about next door in the classroom. Who's there? I called, but there was no answer. I jumped out of bed and went to see what was the matter. That was foolish of me. I should have first struck a light, for it was pitch dark. Suddenly, a pair of arms seized me. I tried to grip the unknown by the throat, but he was stronger than I and threw me to the floor. As I tried to get to my feet, I received a severe blow on the head and lost consciousness. Boy, oh boy, Antonius breathed. "'Xantippus threw him a stern look and continued. "'When I came to, I was sitting in the wardrobe, bound and gagged. "'I heard the burglar rummaging among my things for a long time, "'as though he were desperately looking for something in particular. "'Finally he went away and all was quiet. "'It seemed ages before I heard you boys arrive, "'but I could not call to you because of the cloth over my mouth. "'If you had not freed me so soon, "'I would certainly have suffocated in that wardrobe.' Anxiously, he touched the lump on his head again, then felt his injured leg groaning. "'The whole affair is a mystery to me,' he said. "'Who would want to steal anything from me?' "'Perhaps a thief?' ventured Julius. "'I'm not rich. Besides, what money I have I keep in the bank. "'Still, you never know. Clean up all this mess, boys. "'Then we shall see whether anything is missing.' The boys plunged into a flurry of activity. They picked up the furniture and books, dragged tables, chairs, and chests back to their proper places. From his bed, Xantippus directed the work. As they arranged each book, file, or picture, they had to call out what it was, and Xantippus scratched notes with a stylus on a writing tablet. Finally, they gathered up the scattered writing tablets and returned them to the chest which the burglar had turned upside down. When all was restored to order, Xantippus sat staring thoughtfully at his list. At last he announced with astonishment that several mathematical textbooks and a few unimportant pictures were missing. Odd, he said, shaking his head. These things would have no value at all to a stranger. And with a sigh he added, but for me they are a severe loss. My good old Pythagoras is gone, and the second roll of Euclid's mathematical writings and my own monumental work on the acute angles of obtuse triangles. His voice faded, and he looked at his pupils with eyes full of distress. Antonius seemed to understand his sorrow and offered consolation. The burglar who did this may have been studying mathematics and didn't have the money to buy books. He heard that you were a famous mathematician, and so he came here and hit you on the head... But Xantippus told him to be quiet, and Publius sneered. I never heard of a burglar studying mathematics. Flavius had something on his mind. Shall we call the police? He asked timidly. Xantippus would not hear of that. Keep the police out of this, please. I know those boys. Just let one of those fellows stick his nose in here and I'll really be in trouble. I know how they work. Questions and more questions till I'm worn thin as a sheet of papyrus. "'They'll poke around among my things all day long, "'turn everything topsy-turvy, and find all kinds of clues. "'Only they won't find the thief.' "'Yes, they're awfully dumb,' Antonius chimed in. "'I once asked a policeman at the forum how late it was. "'He stared blankly at the big sundial back of the ro- rostrum "'and finally said, "'I don't know. "'It was raining, you see.' "'You talk too much,' their teacher commented. "'Your tongue will be your undoing one of these days.' "'Alarmingly, Antonius squinted at the tip of his tongue. "'You may go now,' Xantippus said. "'The recent experience had not sweetened his temper. "'Still,' he felt it proper to add, "'I am thankful for you coming to my rescue.' "'We only did our duty,' Mucius said modestly. "'And Antonius, not in the least abashed by his teacher's sharp words about his tongue, "'put in innocently. "'We didn't know you were in the wardrobe. "'We thought you had been changed into a pig.' the way Odysseus's men were, by the beautiful enchantress Circe. Xantippus glared blackly at him. All right, get to your seats, Musius ordered and started driving his friends out of the room. But Xantippus had other ideas. There will be no school today. You may go home now. You need not come tomorrow either. I shall give the class a few days' vacation. I must stay in bed until my leg is better. I shall send word when school starts again. The boys whooped with joy at the unexpected vacation, but Musius suddenly became grave. Hesitantly, he asked, then, then you will not be going to see Rufus's mother today? Xantippus, who was now standing on one leg, straightening his bedclothes, pivoted around. See whom? he asked absently. Rufus's mother. You were going to see her today because of what Rufus did. Musius paused and looked distressed. Xantibus cleared his throat. throat) Oh, yes. Hmm. Wait a moment. Groaning, he crawled back into bed, pulled up the covers, and lay back on the pillow, sighing with relief. For a while, he stroked his beard reflectively. Then he said, I had no real intention of going to see his mother. My idea was to give Rufus a good scare and teach him a lesson. Then Rufus can come back to school after the vacation? Mucius asked happily. He may, Xantippus replied graciously. On the whole, he is not a bad pupil. I wouldn't want to make him miserable because of a single prank. I know what it means to be a young Roman who is a pupil at this school, and I hope you know it too. Oh yes, the boys cried sincerely. They really were proud of their school. Xantippus nodded with satisfaction, but suddenly turned stern. He barked. But woe betide you if I ever again see such bad conduct and unspeakable lack of discipline as yesterday's. If I ever do, you will all be expelled. And now, out with you. This holiday is a gift to the gods, Julia said when they were out in the street. He rubbed his hands together in glee. We have to celebrate. Let's play cops and robbers, Antonia suggested. I'm the robber and you can be the policeman. Or we'll play war. I'm the Roman and you're the barbarians. We can play chariot racing, too. I'm the driver and you're the horses. You be a jackass and we're going to tan your hide, Publius joked. I have a better idea. Let's go down to the Tiber. A big Egyptian galley has moored at the cattle market. We can sneak on board and have a good look. That's dangerous, Flavius warned them. If the soldiers catch us, they'll give us a beating. Let's play ball on the field of Mars. "'No, I have another idea,' Julius said. "'A shipment of wild animals has come in at the Taurus Amphitheater. "'We can watch them being taken out of their cages.' "'Marvelous,' Antonius agreed. "'There will be elephants and lions and dragons. Come on!' He was about to start off at a run, but Mucius held him back. "'We must go see Rufus first, he said. "'Why?' the others wailed in disappointment. "'To tell him that Xantippus has called the whole thing off.' Poor Rufus thinks he's been expelled. He expects Santippus to come see his mother. We can't leave him to worry all day long. That would be a mean trick. You're right, Julia said, and then he can come with us. They raced down Broad Street past the Capitol, to the Forum. The sun had not yet risen, but a few clouds in the sky were flushed with pink, and the eastern horizon was quite bright. The Forum Romanium which would be swarming with people later, was still almost empty. Only the innumerable pigeons were up and about, circling in huge flocks over the square, and a few slaves with shopping baskets were passing through on their way to the nearby markets or returning with similar baskets heavily laden. The boys crossed the forum, turned into a narrow, dirty alley, and then climbed a steep stone staircase, which led to the plateau of the Esquiline Hill. They were painting, excuse me, they were panting by the time they reached the top. Now they were in Minerva Square. From here, it was only a short distance to Rufus's home. Minerva Square was a quiet, open space surrounded by extensive pine woods, where wealthy patricians had their mansions in the centre of the square stood the temple of Minerva, a plain whitewashed building whose only impressive features was the columns at the entrance and three broad marble steps, but the little temple was very sacred because it was dedicated to the emperor. Opposite the temple, in the shade of tall cypresses, was the home of senator Vinicius, Caius's father. I wish I knew why Caius didn't come to school today, Flavia said, staring at the house. He'll say he had an umpest stomach, Publius prophesied. Shall we tell him there won't be any school for a while? Julius asked. No, Musius decided fiercely. Let him wait. Give him time to do his homework. It won't harm him. Come along. They hurried on past the house. Just as they reached the temple, the sun rose, bathing them in gold and light. Publius stopped suddenly. By all the good gods, he said in quiet horror, pointing at the temple. On the whitewashed wall, angrily scrawled in blood-red paint, were the words. Caius, is a dumbbell. All right, ladies and gentlemen, decision time. Do you think our two crimes are connected? Is the vandalism on the temple of Minerva in any way related to the burglary at Xantippus's house? Chapter five, Claudia. Rufus did that, Julius exclaimed. "'He must have gone off his head,' said Publius. "'If Caius's father sees it, there will be trouble.'" The boys threw anxious glances at the senator's house. Vinitius took the worship of the gods very seriously and was a great admirer of the emperor. It was common knowledge that he had donated a great deal of money for the building of the Temple of Minerva. "'Is it bad to deface a temple?' Flavius asked. "'Is it bad?' Publius replied." You can get in real trouble that way. Antonius went up to the temple wall and dabbed his finger at the Sea of Caius. I wonder where Rufus got the nice red paint, he said with admiration. Mucius pushed him aside and tried wiping off the writing with the hem of his toga, but the paint was already dry. Too bad, he said. This scribble has to be erased. Maybe we can rub it off with a stone, Julius suggested. He looked around, but there were no stones in sight. The ground in front of the temple was kept extremely neat and clean. "'Let's use our styluses,' Antonia said. But it was already too late. Two men were walking quickly toward the temple. Flavius instantly snatched up his school equipment and fled. Toga streaming behind him, he ran across the square and hid behind a dense hedge of oleander shrubs at the edge of the woods. The others did not hesitate for long and followed his example." Why did you run? Antonius asked, panting. Those men might think we did it, Flavius replied. Quiet, Musius whispered sharply. They can hear us. The boys peered through the branches and saw the men disappearing back of the temple. One of them called out, laughing. Take a look at that, Clodius. Someone has written Caius is a dumbbell on the temple wall. The other man did not seem to see the joke. "'Scandalous!' he growled. "'An outrageous crime. Nothing to laugh at. "'Well, now, take it easy,' the first man could be heard saying. "'You can see it's a child's handwriting. Some silly kid's trick, that's all. "'You and I were young once, my dear Clodius.' "'No!' protested the man addressed as Clodius. "'Young or not, I would have known enough not to desecrate a temple.' The two men emerged from behind the building and walked toward the stone staircase, which led to the narrow alley. They were two elderly citizens in snow-white togas. One of them was a big, tall man. The other was short and spindly. The large man waved his arms in excitement and anger as he talked. Abruptly, he stood still and grasped the short, thin man by the toga and shouted, And I tell you, that isn't just a schoolboy prank. The temple is dedicated to the emperor. "'This is an act of criminal blasphemy. "'The boy ought to have his hands cut off, both hands, "'and that would be far too mild a punishment.' "'The thin man looked uncomfortable. "'Yes, yes, you're right,' he said, trying to pacify the other. "'But it's none of our affair. "'We must get to our shops. "'We have a great deal to do today.' "'They moved on, starting down the steps. First, their legs vanished, then their hips, and finally their heads.' For a moment, the bald head of the big man glistened in the morning sunlight. Then it, too, disappeared. The boys looked at one another in consternation. Do you hear that? Antonia said. He wants to have Rufus's hands chopped off. I told you it would lead to trouble, Publius said, self-importantly. But nobody knows that Rufus did it, Flavius said. No matter. We have to get rid of that writing, Mucius said. He started pushing through the shrubbery, but Antonius held him back, whispering, "'Somebody else is coming.' He pointed toward the home of Senator Vinicius. Adjoining the left wing of the villa was a high garden wall overgrown with wild grapevines. Where wall and house met, there was a tiny door, which, the boys saw, was now slowly opening. A small girl thrust her head out and looked in all directions." Claudia, Mucius said in surprise, what is she doing? Claudia was Caius's younger sister and well-liked by his classmates. She was gay and friendly and not a bit stuck up. The boys used to let her play with them, but recently she had passed her eleventh birthday, which spelled the end of her carefree childhood. All that once she had been put under the care of several Greek governesses who trained her and taught her and did not allow her to leave the house unaccompanied. But now Claudia slipped out and made straight across the square to the shrubs where the boys were hiding. Don't run away. I have something to tell you, she called out as she ran. She pushed aside the branches and faced the boys. I saw you through the window. Something awful has happened. Where is Rufus? Home, Musius said. Oh, that's good. Claudia sounded greatly relieved. He had better keep out of sight. My father knows all about it. She looked hot from her run, and her deep blue eyes were glowing with excitement. Usually, Claudia was elegantly dressed, and her hair was done up with the greatest care. But this morning, she had slipped swip- quickly into a plain tunic, and her long brown curls were tied carelessly with a narrow ribbon. She wore house sandals, which probably belonged to her mother, for they were much too big for her. What does your father know? Museus asked sharply, his eyes narrowing. I'll tell you all about it, Claudia replied, but I'm afraid of being seen over here. I slipped away from my governesses. Come on, Musius said. He took her hand and drew her along deeper into the pine woods. When they reached a pleasant mossy clearing, he stopped. Have a seat, he said politely, pointing to a low, flat rock. Claudia sat down and the boys gathered round her. Does your father know that Ruf- Rufus wrote on the temple wall, Julius asked. Claudia bobbed her head energetically. Tell us, tell us, the boys chorused. Flattered at being the center of attention, Claudia quickly patted her curls into place. Our slaves discovered the writing when they came back from the market this morning, she began. They told the secretary, who ran to my father right away. My father was at breakfast. He put down his glass of wine, left his bread and cheese, and rushed into the main hall to look out the window. When he saw the writing, he was furious. This is an outrageous desecration of the temple, he shouted. Who did it? The secretary couldn't say, so my father got angrier still and threatened. I will have you put in chains. The secretary threw himself down at my father's feet, saying, Mercy, master, perhaps your son Caius knows who it was. It must have been one of his schoolmates. Oh, I could have killed him for saying that. The secretary is an idiot, Antonius declared. Yes, Claudius said, I never could stand him. My father sent for old Herodus, Caius's tutor, and ordered him to go to school and fetch Caius. Old Herodus turned pale and said, Caius did not go to school today, master. Why not, my father roared at him. Shaking, old Herodus also threw himself down at my father's feet. Oh, master, don't punish me, he pleaded. I waked Caius early this morning, but he locked himself in his room and refused to open the door. I knocked several times. Finally, he called out that there isn't any school today and that his teacher has gone on a journey. What a fib, Flavius said. What did your father do then, Julius wanted to know. He himself went to Caius's room and brought Caius back with him. Caius was still wearing his nightshirt, and he looked real scared. Father is very strict with him. He led Caius to the window, pointed out the writing on the temple, and asked, Who did that? At first, Caius just escaped. But suddenly he flared up and said, Rufus, the son of Praetoneus. Shame, shame, the boys cried out indignantly. What a traitor, Nucius said, frowning angrily. We must punish him, Julius said. Folding his arms, Mucia stood pondering for a moment. Then he announced, "'We shall exile Caius. "'He won't be allowed to play with us, and none of us must talk to him. "'For me, he won't exist,' Antonius declared. "'I won't speak to him either,' Claudia said, blushing. "'She was obviously genuinely ashamed of her brother. "'And I know he lied. "'Rufus is a nice boy. "'He wouldn't dab red paint on a holy temple.' He gave me a beautiful ivory doll for my birthday. But Rufus did do it, Mucius said. Claudia stared at him. Her big eyes rounded in amazement. Caius insulted Rufus' father, Mucius explained, and they had a fight. This all happened at school. Rufus wrote, Caius is a dumbbell on a writing tablet yesterday, Julius added, and hung the tablet on the wall, Flavius said. So then Xantippus threw him out of school, Publius finished the tale. Claudia turned her head from one to the other with growing concern. Threw him out of school, she exclaimed. The boys knew she was very fond of Rufus, and Mucius hastened to reassure her. It isn't so bad. Xanthippus forgives him. Claudia's face lit up. That's good, she said, but immediately she looked troubled again. My father is awfully angry, she murmured. I came out here because I thought Rufus was with you. I wanted to warn him. About what? "'Mucius asked. "'Well, it was this way,' Claudia explained. "'My father didn't believe Caius. "'That's why he sent for the two policemen who patrol the square at night. "'He pointed out the writing on the temple wall "'and asked whether they knew anything about it. "'They were dumbfounded. "'We saw nothing of the kind last night,' one of them said. "'How is that?' my father asked. "'There was nothing written on the wall,' the policeman replied. "'We were sitting right by that wall of the temple for quite a while.' "'We always have a little stack at night, just some bread and a few figs and a sip or two of wine. "'It was bright moonlight. We would have certainly seen the writing if it had been there at that time.' "'When was that?' my father asked. "'Shortly before the fifth hour of the night,' the policeman said. "'Did you observe anybody near the temple?' my father asked. "'Nobody at all, sir,' the policeman answered, and then we left.' He asked whether he should report the defacing of the temple, but my father ordered him to say nothing about it. I'll look into this affair myself, he said. Oh, dear, Flavius murmured. That sounds bad, Musius said with a worried expression. And then what happened? Julius asked. Then the two policemen went away, Claudia retorted. Perhaps your father intends to punish Rufus himself, Flavius suggested. Claudia shook her head regretfully. No, she said. He has another plan. After the policeman left, he asked Caius, how do you know Rufus did it? And Caius answered, we had a quarrel. That's no proof, my father said, but Caius insisted on it. It was so Rufus because it's his handwriting. I know his handwriting, he said. On hearing that, my father said, aha, that's enough. If it is his handwriting, there can be no doubt that he did it. "'I shall go personally to the prefect of the city this noon "'and denounce Rufus for malicious desecration of a temple.' "'The boys were too shocked to speak. "'The prefect of the city was a man noted for his harsh and extreme sentences. "'He was a man who did not know the meaning of mercy. "'Do you think the prefect will do something terrible to Rufus?' "'Claudia asked unhappily. "'Mucius nodded soberly. "'He was past a death sentence.' on people just for laughing when the emperor and his retinue went by. But Rufus is only a boy, Claudia cried out. The prefect wouldn't have a young boy put to death. Why not, Antonius said. Many children have been put to death. I once saw some being executed. They were three boys no older than we are. They were loaded with heavy chains and thrown into the Tiber. They screamed and struggled in the water and the soldiers laughed. I raced down the river bank to try and save them, but by the time I got there, they had already drowned. Claudia stared aghast at him for a moment. Suddenly she jumped up and sobbed, You are lying! And off she ran, plunging blindly through the shrubbery. Hair streaming behind her, she raced across the square toward the garden wall. Halfway there, she lost both sandals. She stooped quickly and picked them up, but instead of putting them on, she continued running barefoot. She slipped through the open garden door and slammed it shut behind her. My, but she's in a hurry, Publius said. Mucius gave Antonius an angry look. You shouldn't have told her that story, he said. Antonius was hurt. But it's true, he said. Such stories aren't for girls, Publius said. For a while, they sat in silence, thinking. The rays of the morning sun streamed through the shrubbery. The sky was blue, the birds chirped, and a breeze rustled in the tops of the pines. From the subara, the low hum of awakening street life rose up to them. "'Rufus must flee,' Mucius said suddenly. "'Where to?' Publius asked. Mucius had thought up a plan. "'Listen,' he whispered excitedly. "'We'll hide Rufus in our cave. Tonight we'll bring him slave clothes. He'll dress up in those, and then we'll take him down to the river.' I know a place where he can swim across without being seen by the guards on the bridge. He will have to travel by night and hide by day until he reaches our country place. I'll give him a letter to Salas, our manager, asking him to take Rufus in as a slave. Just pretending he's a slave, of course. Salas will do it. He's a real friend of mine. I always help him with the feeding of the pigs and the milking. The police will never look for Rufus over there in the country, and he can stay away until the whole affair blows over. A wonderful plan, Julius said admiringly, and the others chimed in with praises of Mucius, but Mucius put an end to this quickly. Come on, he said, we must go see Rufus at once. They took a shortcut through the woods to a rocky parapet, up which they clambered to a quiet boulevard. Then they ran along a quiet, shady street until they came to a large, old-fashioned building with tiny window openings. This was General Pretonius's villa. Mucius knocked on the door. It was opened by the white-bearded slave who recognized the boys at once. How is it you boys are not in school, he asked with a kindly smile. We have a few days off, Mucius answered. Our teacher has injured his leg. The old slave chuckled. I suppose you're all heartbroken about that, eh, he said, his eyes twinkling with merriment. And what brings you here? We'd like to see Rufus. We have something important to tell him. "Mm," The old man said, I think Rufus isn't feeling well. These ways I haven't seen him yet this morning, but you look him up for yourselves. You know where his room is. Come in. Not feeling well? Mucius asked uneasily. The old slave shrugged, just a guess, at any rate. He did not feel like going to school today, or he would have been up a long time ago. They stepped into the vestibule took off their sandals, and went on into the dimly lit, modestly furnished Central Hall. They knew their way around the house, for Rufus's mother, Livia, was hospitable and encouraged the boys to come visiting. The boys liked her very much. Rufus's room was small, dark, and windowless, lighted only by a transom over the door. Lifting the doorway curtain aside, the boys stepped in. Rufus, who was lying in bed, sat up in alarm. "'What's the matter?' he asked in confusion. He drew up the blanket, for he was wearing no nightshirt. Oddly, his hair was soaking wet, as though he had just ducked his head into a tub of water. "'What's up?' "'Why are you looking so queer?' he asked his schoolmates. "'You must run away,' Musius said. Rufus paled. "'Run away? Why, what for?' he stammered. "'Come now, you know,' Publius said in a rather sour tone." I don't know anything, Rufus murmured weakly. Antonius stepped beside him and whispered, Your life is in danger because of what you wrote on the temple wall. Rufus shook his head in sheer bewilderment. I wrote something on a temple wall? Are you all off your heads? What is it? What temple wall? Never mind lying, Julius said severely. You wrote Caius as a dumbbell on the wall of the temple of Minerva. Didn't you realize that temple is dedicated to the emperor? Rufus looked around at his friends in utter perplexity. Suddenly, he began grinning. You're just playing a trick on me. Haha, <laughs> I won't bite. We didn't come here to joke, Mucius said angrily. This business is much too serious. Hurry up, get dressed and come along. At this, Rufus lost his temper. Leave me alone, he shouted. I swear I never wrote anything on any temple wall. It must have been somebody else. And if you don't believe me, that's just too bad. All right, scholars, two questions for you to answer today after listening to this. First, why is it such a big deal that somebody wrote on the temple of Minerva? What is a temple? What is it dedicated to? Finally, do you believe Rufus? Did he not write on the temple wall or is he lying to his friends? I'll see what you have to say on Google Classroom. Have a great day.